carnality will never produce spirituality. The second statement I want to make is the sin you refuse to judge is always the one that bites you. It's a powerful truth in the Bible. The sin that you will not judge, if you're not careful, becomes your own. And these are statements over the years. I've preached sermons on these, and we've, we've, made, we've talked about redemption and, and all kinds of different statements. Um, these are uh, core conviction statements of this congregation, and many of these is of the fellowship. And I want to move this morning. I want to uh, combine a couple of things. Uh, I want to talk about ministry and standards. Standards. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, we have standards for ministry, and all of these uh, create a cl- culture and a climate where disciples are raised up and men are called to preach, which is so foreign to the church world today. But standards of ministry, and we have to ask ourselves, what is ministry? And, and, and why do we have standards when it comes to ministry? And a lot of churches, if you have talent, forget about the standard, any kind of moral standard. Uh, that, that's not even uh, uh, considered. Uh, if you can sing, if you have personality, if you have gifting, if you have talent, in many cases, uh, they, uh, standards mean nothing. But uh, I want to move through this the next few weeks. I want to talk about standards. I want to talk about ministry. I want to talk about my responsibility uh, concerning holding people to standards. But I need someone to get for me this morning, Luke 6, 46 to 49. Who will get that for me? Uh, Luke 6, 46 to 49. I need Psalms 25, 21. Uh, Alec, if you'll get that. Uh, Christian, Psalms 41, 12, if you get that for me. Uh, Job uh, 31, 6, who will get that for me? Uh, Dave, if you'd get that, Job 31, 6. Uh, uh, Job 2, 9, uh, Bill, if you'll get that for me. Uh, Daniel, Daniel 5, 27, if you'll get that for me. Uh, Isaiah 59, 19, uh, Ike, if you'd get that for me. Uh, Psalm 60, verse 4 and 5, Jack, if you get that for me. Psalm 60, verse 4 and 5. Deuteronomy 27, 11, if you get that for me. Caleb, would you do that for me? Uh, Deuteronomy 27, verse 17, uh, um, and so, uh, and maybe Proverbs 22, uh, 28, if you get that for me, uh, Johnny. So, uh, so let's kind of look here and, uh, uh, I w- uh, the reason, see, uh, I've had discussions with pastors, been sitting in a foreign country or somewhere, and I've had a few discussions over the years concerning, and they'd ask us, cause we, they'd ask me why I'm there. I'm saying, well, we're here doing a Bible conference. We have churches here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we planted churches here, and they'd ask us about this. And then the moment I started talking about standards, though, for ministry, all of a sudden, uh, the brakes would come on. And, uh, but um, uh, uh, standards save lives. Standards save lives. And ministry is about the saving of lives. Standards save lives. And so this is critical in life. Uh, um, uh, uh, They have these earthquakes around the world. 
And uh, sometimes they're devastating. 200,000 dead. 1.5 million injured. Millions of people because of a, an earthquake. Uh, could be a, a tidal wave, but, but especially earthquakes, homeless. Listen to this. Natural and human-caused catastrophes provide stark evidence that construction codes save lives. During hurricanes and earthquakes, most structures built to appropriate codes continue to provide safety and shelter to their inhabitants. U.S. engineers have blamed lax building standards for the devastation in Haiti, this a number of years ago, where a powerful earthquake brought buildings crumbling to the ground, trapping thousands beneath the rubble. The quality of construction, even in buildings that are supposed to be engineered, construction safe, is not good at all. President of the Board of Directors of the Earthquake Engineering Research, yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, the earthquake brought down buildings great and small from shacks in shantytown to President Prevail's gleaming white national palace where a dome tilted uh, above the manicured lawns. Hospitals, schools, the main prison collapsed. The capital, uh, the, the Roman Catholic archbishop was killed when his office in the main cathedral fell. The head of the UN peacekeeping mission were missing uh, in the ruins um, and they contribute this. Uh, there were no standards of construction. Now, that's a, that's a natural illustration. And so standards in the church support and sustain. You cannot do what we do without having a sure foundation. You can't launch churches around the world. You have to have standards of ministry because when you go out in the ministry, it's more than just the ability to preach even, to speak, to sing, uh, to draw a crowd. The list goes on and on. The, and, and standards are critical. Standards will hold up your marriage. This is why in our marriages, we have vows. Those vows are standards. Those are standards for ministry. And that's what keeps, that's what sustains. This is true. And, uh, and, and you know, there's all kinds of illustrations uh, uh, in life um, about the lack of standards and, and people where it's, it's cost them lives. Uh, I remember in uh, Miss Effie, uh, her and her husband in Ron Marsh Church for many, many years uh, and um, uh, she was riding with her daughter, uh, children, and that's when the big firestone with the tire problem, and uh, they, they called, they did a recall, there was a huge uh, uh, lawsuit, uh, but they're driving, the tire blew, and their, uh, their automobile flipped, went down into one of those canals there in Florida, and uh, Miss Effie's daughter died, uh, and uh, she was okay, and, and the, I think the two grandchildren were okay. And, and, and they attribute this um, uh, to a lack of standard. And uh, they want to make shortcuts. So let's look at Luke 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not 
and not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And Matthew says on the sand, but go ahead. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Okay. And there is, you all, is that 49? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, uh, you had here in, is one is a man builds on a rock. Talks about, if you go and read the rest, talks about building on the rock. The rock is Christ. Uh, the other talks about building on sand. Uh, and uh, uh, this is, is a standard. And so when you build a church, you have to build on certain convictions or standards. This word standard is a moral code. It means to stand for a degree of excellence a scale to be measured by, a requirement. What's your standards? What are your core convictions about life and living for God? In, in the Bible, it has the thought of a fixed weight, a gold standard. If you buy gold, there's a gold standard. It's a measurement that determines the quality and the value and the purity. It's not cheap. A standard is a code to measure quality. A means to judge or grade if something is true. Can it be trusted? Is it dependable? Can you rely upon it? A standard like where is a moral quality made of the right stuff. And I tell guys on staff, the thing you have to understand about Chandler with all these churches on the field, if something rocks us here, out there it's going like this. And so uh, this church has to be stable. People have to be stable because it, it doesn't, it, everybody who walks through that door, they're a benefit, they receive of your stability, your standard for living for God, your prayer life, your testimony, your example, your, your righteousness. You said no. And, and, and we'll talk about standards of ministry but uh, when we get to it. But there's standards that are set in place that if you're going to represent this church... Uh, we expect you to keep a standard. And, but what that does, that saves lives. That's a moral quality. A Bible word for standard, uh, and the same root meaning, is integrity. You, you can't be corrupted. You're not going to violate this code of conduct. Psalms 25, 21. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Okay. Let the integrity and up... There's a preserving quality when there's a standard. 
There's an integrity. There's an uprightness. And everyone who comes through the door, they begin to benefit. Just like if uh, Pastor Martinez, I talked to him. He's in California. They had an earthquake over there. And, and he's called me. He says, man, pray, you know. They said, the, I hear the walls cracking and creaking. We're on the second floor. And, uh, uh, you know, he's not over here. We don't have earthquakes and stuff, not really ever. And, uh, uh, but you walk, he's a, he is a recipient um, of the standard of that motel when it was built. And this is not just true in the natural, it's true in the spiritual. Psalms 41, 12. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. Okay, you uphold me. God, you're holding me up. But what you're holding me up in is my integrity, my standard. You're holding me up in my standard. Moral standards. We have moral standards here. If you commit adultery or fornicate, I will deal with you. It's a moral standard. And sad to say, if you're a repeat offender, I put you out of the church. That's a standard. And and what's shocking though, people go down the street and they're there weak and they're behind, they're they're on the platform. People gets back, word gets back to me, oh, so-and-so is in ministry down the street. But see, that computes out in the spiritual quality of those people. That computes out in the dynamic of the heartbeat Of that congregation. You are a living. We are living stones. This is not just a building. A congregation is living. It's alive. And and it it has has a heart. It has convictions. It has vision. It has passion. It has uh, values. And so uh, it means to be morally and ethically sound. You're true. There's a completeness. In the Bible, it's a picture of being put on the scales to be weighed, to be measured. To be weighed, to be measured. Job 31, 6. Let me be weighed on honor scales that God may know my integrity. Okay, so, so let God put me on the scales and let him weigh my integrity. If God puts you on the scales today, What kind of integrity do you have? And that's what ministry, if you're going to get into ministry, and I'll say it again, you minister what you are. You cannot take carnality. You're carnal, you're fleshly. You fill your mind with flesh and the world and uh, the movies and and, uh, uh, ungodly music. You can't do that and get up and be spiritual. You can get up and perform, but you won't be spiritual. Because you minister what you are. And so uh, standards save lives. Uh, Job 2.9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. So his wife said, they're in a crisis. Things are happening. He's lost his wealth. He's lost children. How do you react in a crisis? How do you react? And the crisis tells me if you have any integrity. 
How do you react? Uh, uh, we lost our daughter many years ago. Did I quit living for God? Did I quit coming to church? Tragic death, heartbreaking. What do you do when you lose someone you love? What do you do if a friend backslides? What do you do if you lose your job? What do you do if you get ill? What if you do if life takes a shot? I mean, Job is covered with boils from the crown of his head, soul, and his wife come up, and she said, just curse God to die and put it up there again. Uh, look at what the issue is. Throw it up there again. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Can you? Do you still hold fast? This is the issue. This is what Satan was after. Remember? God looked down and said, have you observed my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, but you let me touch him, he'll curse you to your face. God says, you can do everything but take his life. What happens to you if that same conversation is going on today in heaven? What do you, how do you respond? You quit church, quit praying, quit God, quit, you know, quit reading your Bible. Well, how do you react? That's your integrity. And that carries you with God. That, you'll survive the assaults of hell. That's how you overcome in temptation is you have integrity. Belshazzar, mini, mini, tikal, eupharsa, Daniel 5.27. Um, if you'd read that. Okay, uh, here... Uh, uh, the hand came on the wall, started writing. This man uh, was violating the vessels of God. You're a vessel of God. And he said they had these golden vessels they'd taken from Israel. Uh, he's in Babylon. And so they get drunk one night, so they're going to drink wine out of God's vessels. And they stepped across the line. And so that ought to be a lesson to you and I. This is the vessel. If you're saved, this is God's vessel. You don't put unclean stuff in it without consequences. And so a hand come up on the wall and begin to write. And it quote, Tico said, you're weighed. God is weighing you right now. He's weighing you. How much, what's in you? He's measuring you. He's weighing you. And you've been found wanting. There's something missing. And he died that night. The whole kingdom was taken from him that night. And so uh, standards are critical for justice. Uh, another, another word is a flag or a banner in those days. A standard. It was, it was like a flag going into battle. Uh, Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Okay, and they, they, in those days there was no communication and they fought these battles with flags. Flags of, of the right and, and each, each company had a flag and then they had flags. Uh, uh, in, in, in the Navy we had corsemen and, and they, they did flags and, and direct the ship and all kinds of stuff and signal to another, a lot of things. But, <clears throat> and the Bible picks us up uh, and it says this is, this is how you're going to win the battle with standards. That's how you overcome. This is how you conquer. This is how we can plant churches and take nations. We have to have this internal fiber, this standard. And the enemy said comes in like a flood. 
and your standard, your convictions, your integrity, this moral quality rises up against it. I can depend on you. Psalm 60, verse 4 and 5. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth, that your beloved may be delivered and saved with your right hand and hear me. Okay, uh, one, your strong right arm has rescued us. The standard, the standard. Uh, we say his banner over me is love. And so uh, uh, it, it's like a standard. It, 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 it's like a benchmark. It's like a landmark. It sets limits. A standard, a reference point, sets a boundary. I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to lower the standard and cross that line. I preached the other night about integrity and, and, uh, or iniquity and gave the illustration. Iniquity is the residue of sin. In other words, uh, you sin. It's not just what you do. It's what you carry away from that experience with you. I told the story about here's a, here's a sign that says keep off the grass, but the grass looks wonderful. Sin looks wonderful. Flesh, and so you step across, you go up to your knees and manure and nastiness and sewage and all kind of stuff. Oh, this is horrible. I don't want to live like this. And so you repent and come back. But the problem is you've got some stench on you. You carried some residue. And so standards keep you from making those kind of decisions, we hope. So the church has standards, but somewhere they have to become yours. And the way they become yours, you pay a price for it. And this is the difference. This is the difference in all of life. All of life. This is the difference. This is the difference in all of life. Ike? When I first got, uh, shortly after I came here to the door, Tressa and I agreed in prayer that, Lord, if there's any weight or anything that will keep me from growing in you according to this place, that you reveal it to us, and we'll drop it like it's hot. And what happened is I had a family member call me, and um, they were, they were my, my sister in Christ, and I thought they were living a certain way. And there was something that she said she was going to drop 15 years ago that she didn't. And what happened, the Lord said, okay, I revealed it to you. Now what you gonna do? I dropped it like it's hot. Now a year later, shortly, a uh, couple of, four months ago, that family member came in town. And, and they said, can we, well, I would like to see you. And what happened is, I recently prayed, I said, Lord, uh, give us your Give us your perfect will. I was praying for the church. Give us your perfect will and let us glorify you in our decision. Well, God said you first. Okay, and the family member came in town. And the Holy Spirit said, ain't nothing changed, so what you going to do? And I refuse to see that family member. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is this, and like you said, that sin that you don't judge is the one that's going to come get you. Yeah. I love this family member. But I love yeah. what God is going to do yeah. 
in me more. Yeah. So, so let, me, let me hitchhike on that. So what's the standard for your life? Is it family? So everybody in your family fornicates, commits adultery, drinks, crazy, goes to prison. Is that your standard? We have people here that's come out of that. Got pastors that come out of that. Is the streets your standard? Is the social media your standard? Is that how you're going to live your life? By what family does? By what culture does? By what social media? Uh, by what the, the latest um, uh, rap song is or the latest Hollywood? Is that how you're going to live your life? Is that going to be the standard? Uh, backslidden parents or, or unsaved family? Or is it going to be by this book? See, this, this, and as a pastor, see, this is what some people don't understand. One day I'll stand before God and give account. This is what I wonder a lot of pastors in America today, where anything goes. Anything goes. Anything goes. I want someone to get a scripture for me. Uh, I got this in there, but I just feel, I want you to get for me 1 Samuel 2, verse 12 and 13. Who'll get that for me? Alec. And 1 Samuel 3, uh, verse 13. Would you get that, Raymond? 1 Samuel 3, uh, verse 13. And so here's Eli. Now here, here's the reality. If you want a pastor, we have pastors here. Uh, I've I pastored. Here's Eli. We're talking about core convictions. We're talking about, now we're talking about a pastor over a flock. Or you're over a ministry. You're over a Bible study. You're, you got a music group. You got, you got plays. You got dramas. You're children's church ministry. Sunday school. You, you have what's going to be the standard, the quality for those people that are involved. That you allow to minister. So here's some scary stuff. 1 Samuel 2, verse 12 and 13. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They okay, knew. now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with the flesh hook of the three teeth in his hand. And he stuck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all the flesh hook brought up, and the priest took for himself, so that they did in silo to all the Israelites that came, that came okay. thither. Go ahead and read the next one. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest servants came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desires. Then he would answer him, No, but you give to me now. If not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Okay, and so here's his sons, uh, and uh, the, the, I, I, like I'm going to deal with this later, but also they were laying with women uh, in the house of God. Who has that scripture? Anybody get that for me quick? Uh, Ali, get that. So go ahead and read yours, Raymond. And this is what God said to Eli. For I have told him that I would judge his house forever. God said, I'm going to judge your house forever. For the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And okay, 
Go, okay, that's good. So his sons made themselves vile. And, and Eli would not judge sin. He would not deal with these boys in ministry. And God said, I'm going to judge your house forever. Did you find that other one? Yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Now, Eli was very old and heard all what that. What is it? What's the scripture showing? 22. It huh? It's verse 22. Verse 22. Throw it up there. Go ahead. Now, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Go ahead. Read the next one. And he said unto them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all the Lord, by all the people. Nay, my sons, for it is not good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Keep going. No, that's good. So he talked to them, but he didn't judge them. He talked to them, but he didn't deal with it. And God says, I'm going to judge your house forever because your sons made themselves vile, and you knew this, and you didn't deal with it. And so there's a responsibility, see, and we're back to standards. And what did God say? God says the people of God were dying because you did this. They're causing the people of God to transgress. And, you know, we can't control every issue of life. And we're not Sherlock Holmes snooping around all the time and trying to find out this, trying to find out that. But there is a responsibility of, uh, of, of, of dealing with issues, uh, moral issues in life. Dealing with moral issues in life. And these are the standards are the landmarks. Uh, they're the benchmarks that, that hold the security. We're talking about, again, core convictions. And we went from redemption, all kinds of things uh, 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 through this uh, that are a part of this congregation that people have paid a price for. Had, had people here uh, where they're... Uh, their child or their uh, um, family member, they loved them, and uh, they had to be judged, just, just like uh, Ike was talking about. Someone close to them, dear to them, and he had to make a judgment call. Not something you enjoy doing. I hate doing it. The older I get, the more I, I just get sick of, sick of having to deal with it. But, but you have to preserve the integrity of the congregation. Have to, <clears throat> because your spirit. I'll, I'll repeat myself. The sin you refuse to judge is the one that bites you. If you won't judge it, if you're not careful, it's coming for you. That's number one. Number two, you cannot take carnality and flesh, no matter how talented, intelligent, gifted, great, you can't take that and make it spiritual. You can't do it. It, it, won't, it won't happen. I'll never forget years ago, and I hate to even walk down this road, but maybe you need it. Uh, there was a pastor, a good friend of mine. Uh, I'd, I'd been instrumental bringing him in the fellowship. Gifted. He put his sermons on uh, way back in the day, put them out on the, and, and had 700 and something hits in a week, people wanting his sermons. He could preach these masterful sermons. And he preached uh, years ago, many, many years ago, in the Phoenix Conference. And we had a conference in Phoenix. Uh, 
And I, my, I'm grieved in my spirit. I'm grieved in my spirit. True story. I'm so grieved I went to him, called him by name for it. I says, I says uh, I'm grieved. I said, are, are, you, are you immoral? Are you messing with something you don't? And uh, he got real indignant. Two close friends of mine, two other pastors were friends of his. He told them what I said. They got on me heavy. They come, how dare you say this to him? Classic preacher and all these, had a good church. It was a, <clears throat> actually it was the conference church in the valley. And, uh, and I didn't know what to say. So we're having a healing crusade, downtown Phoenix, Big Ten. And then one of these guys that got on me, he's doing the crusade. And so we all go out to dinner. Uh, me and this friend of mine, his wife, me and Connie, and this other guy that God had spoke to him about, him and his wife. And we're sitting there, and I'm feeling this on him. I feel things. I'm telling you, when I shake hands with people, I feel stuff sometimes. And, and I'm feeling, not always, not always, I'm feeling this on him. And I thought, and I went home, I felt so bad, I thought I was going to MC that night. I thought, shoot, I'm, I felt so bad. I went home, I told Connie, I says, because my friends, I thought, you know, I'm so far out in left field. If I get up on the, behind the pulpit tonight, nobody get healed. So I called my friend, uh, uh, and I said, listen, why don't you MC tonight? I says, uh, and I didn't tell him why or anything. I just said, go ahead tonight. You, you go ahead and MC the crusade. He got up there and MCing. There was a new convert that an assistant pastor from over on the west side, uh, him and his wife, had brought this new combat convert girl. She's sitting in the very back. She sees him. She's excited. Now, she's a stripper. She's a, I mean, she's, she's raw. She's glad there's someone there she knows. And she called him Smell Good and his name. She said, that's, and they said, you don't know him. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, I do. He's been to my house. So they come and got me. I got this woman. Remember what I said. These are things I've learned over the years. This is many, 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 many years ago. But a truth always has detail. Lies are ambiguous. Where were you? Oh, I was out. Who were you with? Oh, some of the guys. Where'd you go? Oh, just... Down, you know, down. But truth always has details. So I'm asking her. You say, you know this man? Yes. And so she, in those days we had pagers. I didn't have one. She knew his pager. She knew what kind of car he drove. She knew his father. His father was a, a pastor in another organization. Uh, she knew where he was from. Uh, she knew about a mole on his back. And she's named. So I said, okay. This is during the whole crusades going on. I said, after the service, I want you to go up and say hello to him. I'm way in the back. There's several hundred people. How many remember when we used to do the tent crusades back in the day? Some of you do. So I'm in the back watching, and she's headed for him. He sees her, and I'm watching his face. I said, uh-oh. Added to that, a few times his wife had been out of town and I'd tried to get a hold of him and couldn't reach him. I'm talking about, it was so bad. One night it was kind of emergency. I'm talking about one o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to reach him. 
So eventually, we, we had a meeting. Uh, and, and this guy, his, their people loved him. He had married him in the church. Church Had a meeting with him and his wife, church council, a bunch of stuff. And so the meeting's there. One of the church council members had taken a Christmas card, cut him off, cut his family off, and went down to some of these strip joints and showed his face, and they all knew him. Days divorce, tragic. Tragic, 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 tragic story. Hate those things. But see, standards, standards have you. You can't go places and live for God. In your mind, with your eyes, with your language, you can't, you can't go. Standards are these, these, these righteous landmarks, these reference points of life that hold you. Bible says, what does it say about eternity, about the gate and the door? What does it say? Narrow is the gate that leads where? Heaven, everlasting life. Broad is the gate that leads to hell. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. You can fall in blindfolded. Amen. That's, that's basically what that said. But if you're going to go to heaven, you have to aim at it. And you're going to have to have reference points. This book and standards give you reference points of how to get there. And not just limp in. Listen, there'll be nobody in heaven that doesn't want to be there. And no accidents. If you're going to make heaven your home, uh, you're going to have to aim at it. And I'm out of time. God love you. Uh, we'll pick it up next week. And the next week after that, we'll spend two or three weeks on standards and ministry. And God love you. Thank you for your patience.